veterans, veterans, veterans. Raise a hand if you're a veteran or you're in the service at this time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Praise God. We're blessed to live in a free America. Amen? I just want to say thank you for your service. Today is a very special day. I don't get to do this very often, and it's very special when I get that opportunity. We're dedicating some folks today to the Lord and dedicating ourselves to the Lord to help some folks get really close to God. Uh, Reading from uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. Uh, If a son, then also an heir through God. Adoption is a powerful thing. As a family of God, we're adopted into God's family. And when we're adopted into God's family, He calls us sons and daughters of His because we've been adopted. I'm going to ask this family to come, the Burns family to come and and, uh, stand right here alongside of me. And these uh, folks have uh, had an exciting adventure. They are Makai and Zaniah. They are they are here, and uh, they have been adopted by Christy and Larry. And yes, we are thrilled for you as a family and. When the Lord Jesus uh, dwelt as the Son of Man among men, the Scripture says that they brought children to Him as He should touch them, and His disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, He was uh, much displeased and said to them, Suffer the children to come unto Me, forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And He took them up in His arms, and He put His hands upon them and blessed them. And I just want to encourage you today that as you dedicate these girls to the Lord as uh, adopted parents, you are also dedicating yourself to the presence of God. The act of dedication doesn't automatically make these girls Christians, but instead it points to the beginning uh, of their lives towards uh, God. And as parents, we are committed to, to guide them and direct them and help them come to the understanding of God. It's It's mom and dad's place and grandparents' place to, to direct their minds to the Holy Scriptures, direct their minds to the Holy Scriptures, to the Bible. Let these young ladies be directed to the Bible every day of their life, that uh, you are to help direct their feet to the sanctuary where we come here and worship, and you're to direct their hearts to Christ as their Savior and to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, if you are willing to say, we're going to do whatever we can do to help them grow in Christ, uh, would you just say, Amen. 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 Praise God. Now, congregation, it's just not all on them. But you have a responsibility to continue to nurture and 
continue to train these young ladies in the things of God. And it's important that we recognize that God has put these young people in our lives, that we can love on them and we can help them grow in Christ. And your prayers are vital. As a congregation, are you willing to say, we will pray for this situation? Amen? Amen. You'll pray that they will grow in the things of God. So let's all, will you stand with me? Let's all dedicate ourselves together with this family that God's going to have His perfect plan and perfect will accomplished. Heavenly Father, we thank You this day. And Lord, we dedicate ourselves to the blessings of God upon this family. And Lord, we just ask that You would just continue to nurture these girls and help us to nurture them in the things of God, that they will choose God over everything else. And that, Lord, their lives would would see God in us, that they would in turn want to serve Jesus all the days of their life, that they would never stray from the things of God, that they would always find themselves reading the Word, always praying, seeking the face of God, knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. And God, you love them and you have provided for them, and God, we're grateful for your provision. Now, Lord, help us as a congregation to dedicate ourselves and commit ourselves to continue to bring youth programs in and and children's programs in that will help nurture our young people to serve God all the days of their life. Thank you, Lord, for every Sunday school teacher, every children's church worker, every Wednesday night worker, Lord, that has helped implant these girls and implant the Word of God into their hearts. And Lord Jesus, we want you to be glorified in our lives in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you and congratulations. We have a special gift for you. It's called a gotcha day. Whenever children are adopted nowadays, they call it your gotcha day. And we have a Bible for them and a... Their gotcha day is extra special to me because it's my birthday. So their adoption day is the same as my birthday. We get to be birthday buddies. And this um, has their name on it. They chose their new name. We know in the Bible God changed people's names when he changed their destiny. And their destiny has been altered by the love of these people who have taken them in. And their name has been changed. So I want you guys to remember this day always, and it says the Lord bless you and keep you because that's the blessing he's given you. Praise God. Give him a hand again. Children's Church is getting ready to go on back to their program as well, and we're so grateful for them. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. An elderly couple had the privilege of bringing their four-year-old grandson to church for the first time. You need me to move this thing here? There we go. Okay. Elderly couple was bringing their their grandchild to church for the first time, and four years old. And grandma, she was always in the church choir, and so she took the little boy aside and said, "Here's a quarter. I'm going to give you a quarter, and your job to earn this quarter. I'm going to give it to you in advance. 
and help to remind you, but this job is to sit real close to Grandpa, sit real still, but give him the elbow to keep him awake during church. And so he said, okay, I can do that. So he sat down and he was gripping this quarter in his fist and Grandpa says, son, what do you got in your, what you got in your hand? He showed him, he said, I got a quarter. Where did you get a quarter? Well, Grandma gave it to me and she said, I earned this quarter by, by sitting here, sitting still, and keeping you awake. And he smiled real big and said, oh, she did, gave you a quarter. Yeah. He reached in his pocket gave him two quarters. <laughs> After church, sure enough, Grandma's watching, and Grandpa's sleeping in church. And she's just so embarrassed. After she asked you to do something, and you didn't do it. said, well, Grandma, you only gave me a quarter. He gave me 50 cents to say I can sleep. So there we go. I, he won. So it doesn't matter who wins, but it's just important to keep people awake in church. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. I don't know. Uh, call me melatonin or whatever, but I have a way of, of putting people to sleep. And uh, that's how I judge if it was a good service or not, depending upon how many people have fallen asleep while I'm preaching. I tease about that, but the truth of the matter is that... Uh, The reason why I'm a preacher is because God knew that I would never make it if I sat in a pew every service. I, I sleep. Church pews are, 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 are just mesmerize me. It puts me to sleep. I don't know what it is, but it definitely puts me to sleep. And I just, uh, uh, I go to district meetings and I have a dickens of a time sitting in, in service, uh, not falling asleep. Not because it's, I'm not interested in it, it's just, I guess I'm not moving. I, I, uh, I'm a mover. Uh, don't put me in front of a TV. I, I w- it's not my cup of tea. I would much rather uh, be uh, working in the yard, doing something with wood, or all that good stuff. Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you in my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Powerful, powerful thoughts here. As... Paul is is writing to the Philippians, telling them thanks for providing for me. And he gives the greeting, grace and peace to you from God the Father. I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers, for I always pray with joy. Loving friends. He's talking about loving friends and and the concept of joy, how important joy is. uh, We've experienced the the death thing in my wife's family and in my family this this year. It's just been kind of an unusual year for us. And uh, death is a process of of grieving, a process of getting through it. And 
I guess with the fact that I, I do funerals quite often and involved with funerals, I it doesn't paralyze me like some folks do. And I realize that, you know, uh, my brother's distant from me and, and uh, other family members. But how do you get through all of that and still have joy? It's possible because your joy is not related to what happens in your life. Joy is not related to what happens in your life. Paul had gone through some very difficult things. Joy is that the, the part of, of the, our salvation is in Christ. It's an inner peace. It's a delight in God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. The blessings flow to us from God. And God is the one who literally pours out His love into our hearts and pours out His joy into our hearts. Paul was, had gone through a lot of difficult things. He had struggled through preaching the gospel. He'd been struggling through in, imprisonment. And here he's in prison. And what's happening? Why is he in prison? Because he's preaching the gospel. Paul wrote this about 61 years after the death of Christ. And he, he warmly uh, talks about his friendship with Epaphroditus and sending him back to Philippi and he coming to Philippi with, with the gifts. And Paul is, is in prison and struggling with that, but he has this great personal relationship with his heavenly Father who says, all things work together for good that those love God and called according to his purpose. And, and how does joy come about? This letter is timeless in the sense that it talks about a true joy to be found only in a dynamic personality or a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A dynamic personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about having uh, said, Lord, forgive me my sins. But it's the, the joy comes when we read the Word of God and we live the Word of God and it guides our lives and directs us and helps us in our path to walk in the goodness of God and to know that joy comes from that relationship with our Heavenly Father. Joy comes from knowing that our sins are forgiven. Joy comes because heaven is our reward. We're looking towards heaven. And God said we can have life and we can have it more abundantly right here on this earth. And so it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the assurance that God is able to turn adverse circumstances to our good and His glory. When things don't seem to go right, we need to recognize there's one thing we need to do, and that is, is to praise God in spite of the difficulties. Praising God when, when the stall is no cattle, when there's no sheep in the, in the pens, when there is no olive oil in the house because the olive grove has, has died out. When you have absolutely nothing, we are to rejoice in God because we still have a relationship with God as we read the Word, as we pray. God can work all things out for His glory and for our benefit, but we must do the work of getting close to Him. We must do the work of, of reading the Word being united with Christ in a living faith. Paul was committed to, to go through the circumstances. Whatever's going to happen, it was going to be because he was going to rejoice 
And again he says, I rejoice. Unqualified commandment to rejoice. But you don't understand what I'm going through, Pastor. It's easy for you to preach it, but it's another thing to live it. Yes, it is. But the bottom line is, is that we are commanded to rejoice, whether it's a good day, bad day, snowing day, whatever it is. Channel 4, Channel 41. We'll try to get you the news on whether we're having church or not. My philosophy is, if I close the doors, half of you will show up anyway. So uh, I just go ahead, and if you can't drive on those snowy days, stay home. And a no condemnation from me. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay. So it doesn't matter if it snows on a Sunday, which, you know, a couple years it's been like every Sunday and every Wednesday night we had a storm. Just a doom, doom, doom. You know, and for the most person, most people that don't matter. But for me, that matters. Because, you know, I only work one day a week and that's Sunday, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, to rejoice when things aren't going well. To rejoice whenever they forecast rain for the car show for seven days straight and it's still going to rain and it's a 100% chance it's going to rain. Rejoice anyways. You come in the building at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning to get the car show going and somebody says, hey, radar shows it's leaving. And you start shouting. And to realize it never rains enough to make anything muddy, just enough to cause people not to want to come. But we still had a wonderful, wonderful experience that day. God showed up and people were blessed and the anointing of God was here. It was probably one of the best shows we ever had. And I think probably because I prayed harder than I ever had that we could be able to pull it off. But the, the, the thing is, is that Paul is saying there is a joy for you to have. And that joy comes not automatically. It's not automatic. You have to work at it. You have to put some effort into reading the Word. You don't have to read the entire Bible through in a year. That's not a bad idea. But you don't have to. Just getting the Word. See, the Word's anointed. It'll change you. It'll empower you to live. It's not something that just sits on the shelf. No, no. You read it and let it sink into your spirit, and you begin to love people because God is love. You begin to hate sin because God hates sin. You see, there's this compassion. Christ is revealed throughout this whole book. And as we get involved in living for the Lord Jesus Christ, as we get involved in reading the Word and letting the Word penetrate our spirit and penetrate our mind, we begin to realize that life can be better. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work, God began a good work in you. And he's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. A good work. What is the word good? How do you define good? When you're eating, when it's something good, it's something really good. When it's faithfulness unto Christ's return, when it's the concept of, of the goodness of the Lord. To good means it's attractiveness. Good means it's excellent. Good is the, 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 the concept that it looks nice. The word is used in persons and things and acts and conditions. Good. That was good. What you did was good. God is saying, I have begun a good work in you. There is a good work being done. And, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you. 
something that's attractive in you. God has done that. He has begun that work deep in your spirit. And as you yield your time, your talents, and your resources to God, things will begin to come together. And you will be an example and you will be a blessing to others around you as you focus upon God and Him inside your deep inner heart. Paul is confident that they will maintain their fruitful activity until the time of Christ. Fruitful activity. You bear fruit. Some people said we're not allowed to to judge people, but no, we can be fruit inspectors. And fruit inspectors is, are we loving? Joy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Is there a joy in our heart? Is there a joy in our footstep? Are, Are we experiencing the joy of the Lord? Are we sharing joy with others? Are we smiling or are we frowning? Are we smiling or are we frowning? Fruitful activity. He bases his belief not on our own faithfulness, but on God's purpose. God has a purpose and he is faithful until Christ's return. And so the good work is something that's going to take place as we focus upon God, as we allow Him to transform us on a daily basis, and joy. I always pray with joy because of the partnership. There was a partnership that had taken place between Paul and all these folks. A partnership that drew them close together. And that partnership is found in in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was a close partnership taking place. They were sharing meals in their own homes. They were coming together, studying the scriptures, studying times of how can we be better and what can God do in our lives. We're talking about something that's all brand new. It drew to them. I mean, no longer is the Old Testament the controlling force. It's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this. Miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles are taking place simply because we seek God for people's needs. That's a major change from the Old Testament law. It's a whole brand new thing. I mean, they are spending time together and they're meeting together in the temple courts and they're breaking the bread in their homes and they're eating together with glad and sincere hearts. Again, the joy of the Lord, gladness in their hearts. The joy of the Lord was present. And so Paul's situation here of writing to the Philippians saying, thanks for sending me an offering, it goes way back to this concept in Acts where there is this close fellowship. There is literally a partnership that comes together and brings a tremendous amount of joy. The good work takes place as we continue to follow the Lord. Paul was saying, I see the good works you've done. They are fruitful good works, and you are on display, 
and your fruit shows who you are. As you all well know, I'm, I'm big into orchards. And uh, my mother has a favorite apple. It's the yellow delicious, golden delicious. And uh, she likes it when it gets mellow. What do you mean by mellow? It begins to get soft, just turning soft. And so last night I I'd bought a half bushel of apples uh, and I had some in the refrigerator and I had some out in a box. And see, I, I know that if I put them in the refrigerator, they'll last longer. If I leave them in the box, they're going to mellow out quicker. And so it, it, uh, when my wife begins to see that they're mellowing out, I know there's a pie in my future or maybe some... Uh, yeah, I said a pie in my future or, or a, a, a little applesauce. And so there's a little bit of method in my madness. But there's, there's fruit in every one of us. And some of you are sitting here saying, you know, Pastor, my days of doing children's work and my days of doing stuff in the church, uh, I just want to set. I want to remind you something. Just like the apple, you're mellowing out. And for some, when that apple is mellowed, it has a different flavor and a sweetness that no one else and nothing else compared to. So I want to encourage you, never say, I'm retiring from God's work. But I maybe can't get on the floor and crawl like I did because I've had a knee replacement or I've had this or I had that. But I sure can pray for workers to come in. I sure can give to, to help see that go and see that minister go. I can bring a bag of candy from time to time. I can bring a box of, of goodies for the kids. I, I can show up and be a warm body. Because sometimes kids just need another person in the room. I am amazed at how the, another person in the room, the kids will listen up because they're saying, what do they think of me? You don't have to do anything. Just show up and sit down. And the teacher is teaching, and you might be able to say one or two words that will help build that lesson and help that child grow in Christ. It's so vital. It's so vital. Don't ever say, I can't give. You can give. You are fruitful, and God has put fruit in you, and it's, it's time that the good work continues to happen in your life. He goes on to say, it is right for you to feel this way about all of you, since I have in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and in insight, so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and holy and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praises of God. He's saying, I'm praying that your love may abound beyond knowledge, beyond the depth or the insight that you have of knowledge, 
that God's love would be greater in you. We want you to be able to discern what is pure and blameless. That half bushel of apples that I bought were seconds. What do you mean by seconds? They call them number twos or seconds, meaning they're not perfect. If you peel an apple and make applesauce out of it, why does it have to be perfect? Is it, is it too much effort to cut a little wormhole or a little bruise off of an apple to eat it? I don't have to have perfect apples to enjoy them. And what I've found is a lot of times, seconds sometimes are riper and have better flavor than the number ones. So don't sit in here saying, well, Pastor, I can't sing perfect. I'm just a second. Well, let me tell you something. God can still use seconds. So often we, we, we think, well, I don't have this perfection. You know, the TV is, is sometimes a disgusting thing because it's such, such a high level, and that's why cosmetics are so sold with great numbers of dollars because people are trying to get the makeup on like they see on TV. And you understand that there's artists, makeup artists, that spend hours putting that makeup on those people to make them look like they look. And that's why some of them look the way they look, you know. <clears throat> but we're not going to go there. C.M. Ord used to say, uh, you know, because back years ago, the Assemblies of God was all about women and hair and makeup. And C.M. Ward, an old, old preacher, he, he, they asked him that question in a conference once. What do you think about women wearing makeup? He said, if the barn needs painted, I think it needs to be painted. He was, he was, just, he was just a case. But we, he's saying, I'm praying that you might discern that which is pure and blameless. The second, the apple that's a second, it, it's got some blame on it. But the perfect apple, the number one, there's, there's no marks on it. It's perfect shape, perfect coloring. It's, it's perfect. And God wants us to discern what is blameless and, and what is pure. And, and Paul is praying here, he's saying, I want them to grow in Christ, I want them to have the understanding and the discernment, to discern. If, is this really what God wants me to do? To discern, is this the direction God is, is leading? And, and to know that God is in control. If we could just understand that, that the prayer of discernment, God help me to discern. Paul prayed it for his people, and we can pray it for ourselves. God, give me the spirit of discernment that I can discern because it's important that we recognize the fact that God is looking for a church without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's important for us to realize that if we're going to get ahead in life, we have to pick those things that are pure and blameless. We have to pick the Word of God. We have to separate ourselves unto God. You know, the, the, in John it speaks about the fact that we are to be grafted into the tree of God and that we will produce fruit uh, as we are grafted in to God. And we've been adopted into His family. We have legal rights for God's blessings to rule and reign in our lives. And God wants us to be able to discern the right from the wrong. 
and there's a day coming that we will have to stand before him and say, God, I blew it, or thanks God for getting me here. And, you know, it's, it's a process of salvation. It's a process saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord, change me. I want to be changed. And then, Lord, when you have forgiven me of my sins, there is a joy that comes in because there's a relationship here that I am no longer in trouble. Didn't you just love it when your mother would say, you act out in public? You're going to get it when you get home. For the next two hours, you've got to think about getting it when you get home. You wait till your father comes home. By the way, all that stuff is stupid, okay? Quit doing that if you're doing it. Moms, dads, grandparents. Just deal with them. Deal with them. Deal with them. Just deal with them. But deal with them in love. Everybody said amen. Deal with them in love. Explain to them why you are, you know, wanting this to change and in helping them to see the right way. You say, Pastor, it's not fair. You just had one. Yeah, and she was walking in obedience. And now she's teaching children's church, and it drives her insane when kids don't listen the first time. How did I get from preaching to meddling? How did that happen? Yeah. Praise God. Discerning. To see your child come home from school and discern where they've been, what they've said. Help guide them to the things of God. Help guide them to the presence of God. Get in the presence of God and to know that He will provide everything we have need of. And when things don't go the way we think they should go, praise God anyway. Give God the glory, for He will work out all things for His glory. It's important that we recognize that we're bringing glory to God. We were created to bring glory to God. We were created to bring glory to God. It has to be a relationship, loving Jesus with all of our heart, and then asking forgiveness of sin, but then declaring, I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to read the Word on a daily basis. I'm going to be in church when I can be in church. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to pray on a daily basis, and I'm going to watch God change my life forever. And every day is another day for God to do something in my life for someone else or for someone else to bless me. God, you're an awesome God. I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to surrender, and I'm going to give my will to you. I'm going to let you guide my life. I'm going to make wise choices because, God, you're going to give me the discernment to do that. Will you stand with me?